Hello everyone and welcome back to Down the Line. This is episode number 88 of Down the Line. This is a, a Thursday night recording just after 7 o'clock p.m. on the West Coast here on February 16th, 2023. I'm Brevin Hunter alongside Kyle Betts. How are you doing, Kyle? I'm doing well, Brevin. Just officially moved to the Central Valley. So I am mm-hmm. now a... Uh, Valley resident, I guess. And, you know, it's been a good experience so far, no doubt about it. Uh, just started a new job at, uh, KBAK and KBFX, uh, here in Bakersfield. And I'm really excited. I'm going to be doing a lot of work on the morning, uh, live news desk. So a lot of breaking news related content, uh, going to feature some digital content too. So looking forward to that. <laughs> um, so definitely a, Pretty significant life change, but, you know, I'm ready for it. I am pretty familiar with uh, Bakersfield. You know, my dad was born here, so I've been in the area for, you know, quite some time, you know, throughout my childhood leading up to now. And so, you know, I'm really looking forward to getting started, and it's going to be a good experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, As part of the reason we got a rare Thursday night podcast recording uh, right now, but next week we'll probably see some... Next week and for the foreseeable future, we'll see some afternoon recordings, um, within the week, uh, weeks to come. Kyle, how's the job been? And what's the, uh, how's that adjustment been like going from Orange County to Bakersfield? Yeah, it's definitely an adjustment. You know, I'm not knowing too many people here. Uh, I still have a family here. My grandpa lives here. So, you know, it's, uh, good to be close to him. And I actually have a friend from my cohort, Rudy Aguado. He just started um, at Channel 17 here in town as well. So uh, he's doing producing there. So, you know, at least I know someone not only who's from the journal- journalism industry, but who I went to school with and who I'm, you know, I'm good friends with. So it's good to have someone here that I know. But other than that, you know, it's a huge adjustment. I don't really know anyone else beyond those two. So getting to know my new coworkers was a great experience, you know, adjusting uh, to a pr- pretty much new life over here. And so mm-hmm. um, I think the most challenging part has been adapting to new circumstances and learning how things work within a new workplace or newsroom in this case. So um, a lot of new technology that I'm not used to, new programs that I'm not familiar with. So um, it's going to be a learning curve, but, you know, I think I'm ready for it and I'm prepared to, you know, make the most of this opportunity and, it's going to be great. You know, I'm going to be here for a while. And so, um, got to take it, uh, each day at a time, pretty much. Also, Kyle is still writing, uh, about the Indianapolis Colts on heavy.com. We got some news surrounding the Colts that are going to kick off our fast five or the fast five that involves the Philadelphia Eagles, their coordinators, um, both of their coordinator, their most recent coordinators were named head coaches on Tuesday. Shane Seichen, who is the Eagles OC and a finalist for AP assistant coach of the year, was named the newest head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. And uh, Jonathan Gannon, the Eagles former defensive coordinator, was named the Arizona Cardinals head coach. Yeah, so now... No more NFL teams are needing head coaches. Those Mm -hmm. positions have all been filled now because of the moves made this week. But the Eagles have two coordinator positions to fill, apparently. So that'll be something to watch. Yeah, I think Shane Steichen to the Colts is going to be a really good hire for them. He 
has been successful in two different kinds of offenses, technically three actually, um, from his time with the Chargers and then the Eagles as well. He's made uh, Phillip Rivers, you know, they're, they're good friends. He's made Phillip Rivers into a solid quarterback. That's why he won three consecutive Pro Bowls with Steichen as his quarterback's coach. And then also um, seeing Justin Herbert break so many records his rookie year, Jalen Hurts finishing second MVP this year. That's what he's done with these quarterbacks. So it's going to pay off if they get someone early in the draft, and especially if they trade up for number one and get someone like Bryce Young. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how the draft is going to play. The uh, Colts have another high draft pick. and Mm -hmm. It'd be interesting to see, especially with the quarterback involvement surrounding the NFL. We had you know, and thinking about quarterback movement, we take you to number two of the fast five. Derek Carr officially became a free agent on Wednesday after playing his first nine seasons with the uh, Raiders. Uh, GM, uh, Dave Ziegler and head coach Josh McDaniels, they, um, combined to some, um, you know, they put an announcement out saying we have a lot of respect for Derek Carr and what he has meant to the regular Raiders organization for the last nine years. Derek has done great things in this league and we're thankful to have been able to work with him this past year. He is a true professional and we appreciate his hard work in striving to produce the results we all desire. We wish Derek and his family all the best in the future. You know, sometimes I don't really realize that Derek Carr was on the Raiders for nine years, but that's exactly the reality of the situation. And I think for that reason, you know, they wanted to move on from him. Josh McDaniels is a new head coach, essentially, in this league. Obviously, you know, he has experience with the Broncos back then, but wasn't successful. And then we saw what happened between him and the Colts in 2018, where he pretty much verbally agreed to become their head coach, but didn't actually sign. He backed out. So now that McDaniels has a full season under his belt, and he's going to continue that position here. You know, it's going to be interesting to see what the Raiders do at quarterback. You know, there's mm-hmm. Jared Stidham, who was a part of McDaniel's system in New England, and maybe seeing that carry over. I mean, Stidham played a pretty good game. What was it, week 18? Mm-hmm. So anything is possible here in the league. Yeah, we will see. You know, both the Raiders, the Colts, they're in the mix for they're drafting a quarterback, whether it's acquiring a quarterback like an Aaron Rodgers or a Lamar Jackson, maybe a Jimmy G could be an option now that with the retirement of Tom Brady a couple weeks ago. So we will see yeah. how the we go from the head coaching circle to the coordinators and quarterbacks um, circle throughout um, this offseason before we get into – spring camp and OTAs and eventually we'll get to the draft and see which quarterbacks are taken um, throughout the draft. And eventually we're right back to fall camp in uh, the preseason. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a long off season here for a lot of different teams, especially those who are going to wait to make their picks in the draft in April. So um, a lot of preparation to do still before then. I know teams are still looking for coordinators Exhibit A, the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, the mm-hmm. Broncos are currently looking for a defensive coordinator. I know that Vance Joseph was rumored to join the Broncos. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it's different situations throughout the league still involving coaching, roster changes, 
you know, we're going to see anything here uh, in this off season. It's going to be wild. I don't think we ever expect anything major to happen before the draft, but who knows? We can see a really big trade maybe involving the number one overall pick. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we will have to see. All right. We're going to move from the gridiron to the diamond. We're going to talk more baseball within the second half of our show, but news came out around um, the New York Yankees. Um, This was, I think today, if not yesterday, but Jeff Passan from ESPN reported that through um, New York Yankees manager, Aaron Boone, starting pitcher Frankie Montas will be needing shoulder surgery and could be out for the entirety of the 2023 season. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a pretty big loss because we know um, what Frankie Montas has accomplished in his career, you know, uh, the all-star that he is, I believe he was an all-star, right, Brevin? Mm-hmm. Yes, he was. Mm-hmm. I mean, just seeing how he's progressed over the years, you know, now being traded to the Yankees, but being in the situation. Yeah. I, I think it's a hit to their pitching rotation, but also they have so much depth because, you know, when you look at their depth chart, it's Garrett Cole, Radon, Nestor Cortez, Severino, and then Domingo Herman. So, I mean, I think they have what it takes to kind of get through it. And if they need to make a move, they will. If that involves taking someone from the bullpen and putting him in the rotation, I mean, we could see that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm interested to see, you know, you think about Frankie Montas was one of the big name pitchers um, that were moved at last year's trade deadline for five players um, yeah. with the Oakland, with the Oakland A's last year. So we'll see how, that plays out, especially in the American League East. Um, we go from baseball to college hoops. We are surprisingly less than a month away from Selection Sunday. And throughout the college basketball landscape, we got a lot of parity going on, not within just in each of the uh, multiple conferences throughout college hoops, but also within the AP Top 20, 20, AP Top 25, particularly in that Number one spot, the number one team in the AP poll that continues to move around like musical chairs. It's not like a Duke or a Kansas or a Kentucky that just continues to be in the top spot week after week after week. We're seeing multiple teams left and right. And uh, these number number one teams continue to lose. Earlier on Wednesday, we had Alabama uh, losing on the road to number 10, Tennessee. On Wednesday, yesterday, tonight, you had... Number three, Purdue, who has been in that number one spot earlier in the year, they lost tonight um, at Maryland. So this parody continues to exist in college basketball. Yeah, that's that's nuts. I did not even hear about that score, but mm-hmm. um, that's just the trend of college basketball. I mean, it might not be every year, but, you know, it's who can stay hot and who can get hot at the most crucial mm-hmm. moments, you know, most notably conference tournaments and March Madness for sure. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I know what I've been watching mostly in terms of college basketball has been San Diego State, who are ranked, and, you know, they didn't even score 50 points last night, and they won. So, you know, anything is possible, right? Mm-hmm. Helps when you're, a, when you're an Aztec defense and allow Fresno State to shoot 2 of 25 yeah. uh, from three-point range. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right, we go back to the grass where there we go to the links now where – Mm-hmm. Um, making his return to the PGA Tour, making his first appearance on the PGA Tour this season is 82-time 
PGA Tour winner Tiger Woods. He shot two under par um, in his first round at, at the Genesis Invitational at the Riviera Country Club in the Pacific Palisades near uh, Los Angeles. Yeah, good to see him back out there uh, finishing today two under, you know, to see him come back and make it his first appearance for the first time in a while. Um, it's good to see. I think he feels comfortable, you know, golfing in California, you know, assuming he spends a lot of time here. So um, it, it's good to see him just back out there. And hopefully we're going to see him compete, uh, continue to compete in these PGA events as the year goes on. Mm-hmm. Think about this, this event. Um, Woods is the tournament host um, this week. So he was already going to be at Riviera. So, you know, he was, like I mentioned, going to be present. So it's a matter of if he was going to play or not, which he announced, like we mentioned, that we broke that ha- that was announced during our show yeah. um, last week. Yep. Um, some of the other names within um, the leaderboard, you got Max Homa, the hometown kid um, at seven under, along with Keith Mitchell, um, number one in the FedEx standings. John Rahm is um, at six under. You got Colin Morikawa, another hometown kid, um, yep. at five under par. Uh, Roy McIlroy is at four under, um, part of that group with Woods and uh, Justin Thomas, who shot three under on the day. So these elevated events provide these elevated events provide the best in golf, and we're seeing that with the um, the players in the field. Tiger Woods um, tees off tomorrow. Let's see if I can figure out what time that is at. That is a pretty sure it's a morning tea time. Oh, okay. Um, that he's got tomorrow playing in the afternoon. I can find that. Yeah, here we go. Tiger Woods tees off tomorrow at 7.24 a.m. Pacific time on the 10th hole yeah. with McElroy and uh, Thomas. All right. So that concludes our uh, the fast five. We're going to move on now. Last week we talked about the Super Bowl. I had the Eagles winning. Kyle had the Chiefs winning. And it turns out the Kansas City Chiefs came back in the second half to take down the Eagles 38-35. Kyle, what was your reaction to uh, this year's Super Bowl? I don't even know where to start, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um was it a flag? Honestly, probably. I mean, he admitted to it, you know. Yeah. Uh-huh. Your DB admits to a holding call, then um, I guess it is what it is. Um, at the moment, did I think it was? No, but I could see why it was called, I guess, after seeing uh-huh. the replays and the screenshots that everyone's posting on Twitter. Um, other than that, you know, I thought it was a good game. Uh, Mahomes did not have to do too much. Um, two walk-in touchdowns, essentially, and I think pretty much it all came down to the man behind it all, who was Andy Reid. I mean, just being able to keep up against that Philly offense that was so good. Shane Steichen calling these plays that were putting the Eagles out of advantage every single time. Short-yarded situations, those quarterback sneaks. I mean, that's how you play football right there. So, I mean... For the Chiefs to be able to keep with that, keep up with that kind of offense, yeah, I, I think it's all Andy Reid, just chestnut checkers, essentially. Mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes, he completed twenty of his twenty-seven passes for one hundred and eighty-two yards through three touchdown passes. Obviously, those coming 
two of them coming pretty much wide open to Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony on pretty much the same play, just on opposite sides of the field. Yeah, it was interesting to see everyone on that offense pretty much get involved in that game. And I think Pacheco played a really good game. Mm-hmm. Um, he was really good at controlling tempo, and he just runs really hard. He is able to fight for the extra yards with his speed, and he just drives his legs every time. So uh, I think having all these weapons within that offense, they both have um, – just incredible offenses, both teams. But I think, you know, the Chiefs, they just have so many guys with traits that stand out, whether it's speed or footwork or um, even jump balls. Travis Kelsey can do it all, too. So it's just like, how do you yeah. stop that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Travis Kelsey had another touchdown in the Super Bowl, 80 yards, including a, uh, his line as well. Yeah. Everyone got involved that game. Uh, Obviously, I thought the Chiefs were going to win just because their offense was that good, and it turned out to be just that. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that's the end of football season, Brevin. It's going to be pretty much just an offseason full of uh, speculation, I think, until the moves are actually made. And, yeah, we're just going to preview – next year and see what happens right now, I guess. Yeah, we will have to see once the, like I mentioned, the moves that happened, you know, what yep. teams decide to, um, the decisions that each team makes in each position, you know, as now we get to worry about roster construction for every all 32 teams and yep. how teams are going to be within the cap space um, as well, um, especially with that June 1st, um, Deadline coming up. Mm-hmm. All right. We're going to move on to the NBA. It's the 72nd All-Star Game taking place in Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, we got the All-Star Game tipping off at 5 o'clock p.m. You got you got the slam dunk contest. You got the three-point contest. You got the skills challenge, the rising stars to um, that will all lead up to the All-Star Game. And one of the new wrinkles um, to this year's All-Star game is that um, you've seen the draft take place between the two captains you know, about a week before the game or the week of the game and so they're about you got time to prepare you got time to figure out who's going to be um, playing with which team um, you know which players are going to be playing with which players you know no matter the conference but this year the uh, this year's draft between LeBron James and Giannis Antetokounmpo is going to take place 30 minutes uh, before the tip-off. Yeah, that's crazy, but I think that's how fans are going to like it. They want to see pretty much a pickup game out there, and they want to see um, guys do what they do during the All-Star game, which is put on a show to some extent. So um, hopefully that's what we get. I think we will with the talents here on these two teams and even these All-Star replacements that we're going to talk about. I mean, they've all made such huge differences for their teams throughout mm-hmm. the season. Mm-hmm. So last week we brought you the uh, um, the reported announcements um, that fish that um, out a couple hours later became official uh, from the NBA that uh, Steph Curry is being replaced by John Morant, who's a starter. 
Um, Zion Williamson is being replaced by Laurie Markkinen from the Utah Jazz as a starter. And oh. Kevin Durant's replacement is Joel Embiid as the starter. And so the three uh, replacement reserves are Anthony Edwards from the Minnesota Timberwolves. You got Darren Fox from Sacramento and you got Pascal Stockham uh, from Toronto. Yeah, I, I think these names on here are all worthy of being in this all-star game for sure. And mm-hmm. I think the biggest upgrade from reserve to starter has to be Joel Embiid, you know, just the stats that he's put up this season have been ridiculous. And to not see him be a starter initially was pretty shocking, but you mean it made sense just because of all the fantastic forwards that are coming out of the East conference. But, um, you know, between these two teams, uh, it's going to be interesting to see who's drafted and who fits well with each other. Okay. So what we're going to do, um, we're going to do our own little mock draft. We did the last year, um, with Christian Alvarez go and find, that episode out. So Kyle is going to be uh, Team LeBron, and I will be Team Giannis. Um, LeBron is head coach. Uh, LeBron's head coach is Michael Malone from the Denver Nuggets, and Giannis's uh, head coach is Joe Mazzula from the Boston Celtics. So with that, Kyle, I'm going to let you take it away um, for the first pick. All right, sounds good. Well. Michael Malone is the head coach of the Denver Nuggets, and his center is a back-to-back MVP, so I'm going to take him. I'm going to take Nikola Jokic. Nikola Jokic coming off the board as the first overall pick here uh, from the Denver Nuggets. Just another two-time reigning MVP continues to play at a high level. Nikola Jokic, one of eight starters who were choosing from first before we get into the reserves. Um, think about Giannis Antetokounmpo and who he's going to take first. Um, I think I'd probably go. I might. I'm going to follow Kyle's lead and go Jason Tatum here. Mm-hmm. Um, what Jason Tatum has been able to do here in 2022, 2023 has been uh, phenomenal year, and so he's helping the Celtics be one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference. So. Jason Tatum is off the board. All right, Kyle, we go back to you uh, for the to complete the second round. Hmm. I'm trying to imagine a team with like Joel Embiid at the four and Jokic at the five, or you can essentially put him anywhere on the floor. But I'm going to go with uh, Luka Doncic here. Mm-hmm. That is a good pick there to control uh, the ball. Um, there from the Dallas Mavericks. Suki Doncic coming off the board. All right. My pick now. Hmm. Debating between two players here. I'm going to go younger of these two. Mm-hmm. He's one of the uh, players that were elevated from the reserves to the starters. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go John Morant here from the uh, Memphis Grizzlies. Nice. Right. So. Luka Doncic, John Morant there. All right, Kyle, who do you got here for pick number five? Yeah, I don't I don't really want to pick Kyrie because that's what we see in real life. So I'm going to go with uh, Donovan Mitchell here. 
All right. Donovan Mitchell. That was who I was also debating between. Mm-hmm. Um, Don Brandt and Donovan Mitchell. Um, Donovan Mitchell, he had that 71-point game earlier in the season. All right. So I got Giannis Antetokounmpo. I got Jason Tatum. And I got John Morant. I think I need a little bit of size. So I think I'm going to go uh, Joel Embiid here. All right. So Joel Embiid comes off the board. Final pick from the starters, Kyle. You've got Kyrie Irving and you got Laurie Markkinen. Kyrie Irving and Laurie Markkinen. Hmm. Well, I don't know. I guess I'm gonna go with Kyrie here. I want to see Kyrie's chemistry with LeBron and determine if the Lakers messed up by not trading for him. Uh, <laughs> all right. So that means with that, um, Larry Marketing comes on team Giannis. So LeBron starting five will include himself. Nikola Jokic, Luka Doncic, Donovan Mitchell, and Kyrie Irving. Um, the reuniting of teammates uh, from their days in Cleveland when they won a NBA Finals as well back in 2016. On Team Giannis' side, you got Jason Tatum, John Morant, Joel Embiid, and Laurie Markkinen. That's four forwards, um, but that Jason Tatum can easily be um, that number two player. For sure. For sure. Yeah, like All right. Mm-hmm. All right. So now we go to the reserves. I've got the first pick here. I've got from the reserves pool, you've got Bam Adebayo from the uh, minute uh, Miami Heat. You got Jalen Brown from the Boston Celtics. You got DeMar DeRozan from the Chicago Bulls. You got Anthony Edwards, as we mentioned, as a replacement, as a reserve replacement from the Minnesota Timberwolves. You got De'Aaron Fox. Um, you got Paul George, you got Shea Gilchis, Alexander, you got Tyrese Halliburton, Drew Holiday, Jaron Jackson Jr., Damian Lillard, Julius Randle, Pascal Siakam, and DeMonte Sabonis. Um, I think my first pick here, there's a few to choose from. I think I need some guard depth here. Um, knowing that I got four forwards, so I'm gonna go with, uh, that time again. Um, in the West, I'm going to go Damian Lillard um, to kick off the reserves. Really good pick. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Bam Adebayo here. Bam Adebayo adding to that defense there. Um, is that will be key, knowing that quarters come down to um, how many points you score, and we see the defense rise as we get towards the end of quarter. So, Damian Lillard and Bam Adebayo, the first two um, off the board. Next pick now. Take another guard. <laughs> One of the uh, MVPs for his team this year. I'm going to go Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Oh. Really good pick there. SGA. Uh, All right, Kyle, back to you. I am going to take Tyrese Halliburton here. There you go. That is a good pick there. Tyrese Halliburton coming off the board. His first All-Star appearance yep. um, here in 2023. All right. 
Um, next, Damn. a little bit of size. Um, let's see. Um, through the players now. All right, I think I'm gonna go next pick here. I'm gonna go Julius Randle. Hmm. Nice pick. From the New York Knicks, add some size to that depth uh, within that offense um, for Team Giannis. Julius Randle comes off the board. All right, back to you, Kyle. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with some size here as well, but in the form of Jaron Jackson Jr. That is a good pick there. Jaron Jackson Jr., he is... Uh, I'm pretty sure also making his first appearance in an all-star. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I can find him. Yeah, first all-star appearance for him was part of the 2022 all-defensive team last year. All right. So six players are off the board here among the reserves pool. Damian Lillard, Bam Adebayo, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Tyrese Halliburton, Julius Randle, and Jaron Jackson. All right. Up next... Um, I think this is where I add a little more defense here. I'm going to take Giannis's teammate. I'm going to go Drew Holiday. Nice. Drew Holiday in the Eastern Conference. I am going to pick Anthony Edwards. He's going to pick part of that rookie class uh, from a couple of years ago. Anthony Edwards. Coming off the board, um, first all-star um, appearance here in 2023. All right, down to three picks left. Um, let's see, I've got Damian Lillard. Being between a couple of players. I need to, let me get a third scoring player. I'm going to take DeMar DeRozan. Hmm. Good pick. DeMar DeRozan coming off the board here for this one. All right, Kai, who do you got next? All right, I'm going to take Paul George here. That's, I was debating about Paul George between that one. Mm-hmm. He was not picked a little bit sooner Playoff. here. Paul George, another all-star for him. Um, team one of the top teams in the Western Conference around that four or five spot. All right, four picks left. We got Pascal Siakam. We got Demonte Sabonis. Um, a couple more players. We got De'Aaron Fox. Um, and we've got Jalen Brown. Yep, there you go. Add a little bit more defense. Take one of the reserve replacements now. I'm going to go Pascal Siakam nice. from the Toronto Raptors. All right. Um, I am going to take DeMontis Sabonis here. Monta Sabonis coming off the board. One of two Sacramento Kings players. Um, selected four, um, make their all-star appearance for the Kings. All right. Final two picks here. 
We've got uh, Jalen Brown, and we've got De'Aaron Fox. Um, and I pick teammate. I'm going to pick teammates again. Go, uh, go, Jalen Brown here. All right, and then I automatically. That means. Mm-hmm. That means De'Aaron Fox for Kyle. Those are our teams uh, for the uh, our mock draft. See how well we do on uh, Sunday between these two. Kyle, how do you like your, your team? I like it, man. I think we have a good balance of offensive and defensive players here in this lineup. We got some teammates on both sides, which mm-hmm. I kind of like to see to an extent. And, uh, yeah, I, I think this team would see a lot of trick shots and alley-oops and things of that sort. <laughs> yeah, you know, you think about Nicole Jogic with Luke Doncic, you know, oh, the yeah. relationship that those two have. You got the uh, two guard or the two technically that can play both two and three on the floor and Donovan Mitchell and Kyrie Irving with LeBron James in your reserves, Bam Adebayo, Tyrese Halliburton, Jaron Jackson Jr., Anthony Edwards, Paul George, Demonte Sabonis, and De'Aaron Fox. And then my team, Jason Tatum, John Morant, Joel Embiid, Lori Markkinen, the hometown uh, player um, with this game taking place in Salt Lake City. Ante Tacumpo, those are the five starters. Along with Damian Lillard, Shea Gilgis Alexander, Drew Holiday, Julius Randle, DeMar DeRozan, Pascal Siakam, and Jalen Brown. One thing I know that with Damian Lillard and DeMar DeMar DeRozan coming off the bench, you see some three pointers come down in addition to SGA. Yeah, you definitely got a really good bench in terms of guards. All right, so that is the uh, mock draft that we have. Remember, the actual draft takes place on Sunday at 4.30 p.m. Pacific time, half an hour before um, the game tips off. So that was our mock draft um, as we are uh, as Team LeBron and Team Giannis. Um, go see how well, um, how comparable or how dissimilar um, those teams are um, on Sunday. Yeah, it's going to definitely be fun to watch, I think. You know, good to see these all-stars all back out on the floor with each other, see, you know, celebrities out there too. Everyone Mm -hmm. with each other is always fun to watch. Um, All-Star weekend is, I know, a big weekend for betters, especially. Um, The three-point contest, notably slam dunk contest as well. Um, and even all-star game props too. So it's one to watch, I think, just because it's fun all around and the league does a good job of putting it on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it should be a great weekend um, for the NBA. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk all baseball here in the second half of our episode. Some news surrounding Shohei Otani and the Los Angeles Angels. We're going to talk about the National League West as we're going to do a division-by-division preview leading up towards opening day six weeks away. We're also going to talk into some 
new rules um, or that are some rules that are going to be in place um, for years to come as pitchers and catchers have reported to spring trading camp. So that's all coming up next year on Down the Line. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to Down the Line. This is episode number 88. We are recording this right on February 16th here, right around 8 o'clock here in the evening, an evening show, as Brevin mentioned before. Um, Typically, we don't really do that, but, you know, new job, new schedule, got to adapt, and so Mm -hmm. uh, we... Just went through our fast five of the week. We also recapped the Super Bowl, got into our NBA All-Star Game mock draft. We went through each player pool. Looking forward to that. But now we're going to get into some MLB and Brevin. It has uh, been, it felt like not such of a long of an offseason as we've seen in years previous. But I, I think this year, um, you know, a lot of moves were made in free agency that made it entertaining and now we've reached a time where pitchers and catchers are reporting. That has happened this week. Full team camp reporting dates are early next week as well. So all MLB players participating in the World Baseball Classic also reported to their respective team camps this week. Um, baseball season is pretty much upon us now, Brevin. And it's time to start digging into potential uh, teams that are going to lock down their uh, own divisions. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun seeing um, this offseason. It's not like years past. We're seeing the big names go in late February, you know, around this time, you know, compared to like you think about 2019 with Manny Machado and Bryce Harper um, signing at that point. You know, you saw, we saw around like the winter meetings, you know, some names go off the board like a Trey Turner. Um, we think about Justin Verlander signing with the Mets. We think about, um, JK DeGrom going to Texas. So full off season with a lot of high quality players going to new teams, um, and wearing new jerseys, um, this coming year. Well, even though it's almost that time where, you know, we're going to see spring training in the world baseball classic. I mean, moves are still being made internally yeah. mm-hmm. and hours after we recorded our last episode, number 87, go check that out. We recorded that last Friday. Well, right after that, the Houston Astros announced they agreed to a five-year, $64 million extension with Christian Javier, the right-handed pitcher. So, moves still being made here. Yeah, Christian Javier, I remember during the World Series, he was that starting pitcher um, who helped um, combine with three relievers throughout the first no-hitter um, in the World Series since Roy Halladay back in 2010. So, um, good to see Christian Javier uh, get the get those uh, his money, especially um, for his type of role, either out of the bullpen or um, in the starting rotation. Yeah, no wonder he earns that sizable contract there. But 
Another move that happened was, I guess, internally in terms of the actual league. And Jesse Rogers from ESPN, he reported on Monday that the ghost runner on second base and extra innings will now be a permanent rule. So uh, Rogers reporting that the rules to when position players can pitch have been altered under these new rules. Leading teams have up to 10 plus runs in the ninth inning and trailing teams can have a position player pitch anytime they're trailing by eight plus runs. So position players in this case are also allowed to pitch in extra innings. Both of these rules, which are the extra inning and position players pitching were passed. So we're going to see a lot of teams here uh, adapt to these new rules and, and these situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially when teams are, especially when teams are up by, or teams are down by eight plus runs. I think it'd be interesting to see how um, teams will figure that out, especially if they're down by eight early on. You know, especially in the middle of an inning, whether they go to a position player uh, within that new quirk in the rules. So rather than just going straight to a innings eater, you know, like with two outs in an inning, we'll just put a position player there. Um, so it'd be interesting to see um, how uh, managers utilize um, these rules, whether they're up by 10 or they're down by more than eight. Yeah, so a lot of changes still happening here in baseball as we now start to see the new season over the horizon. And we're going to get down into it, Revan, here. We have our MLB mm-hmm. standings. We're going to preview that division by division, giving that a look with it being six weeks away from opening day as of this point. And as we lead up um, every single week, we're going to go through a new division. So today we're going to cover the NLS here, Revan. And this is going to be a really interesting topic because a lot of these teams going through different circumstances, finishing in, um, various positions, you know, after the season, you know, for example, the Padres knocking out the Dodgers in the playoffs. Um, moves have been made, and we're gonna get gonna get down into it and pick our division winner. So, uh, Brevin, you want to kick us off talking about the D-backs? Yeah, you think about the D-backs. You know, we think about that young outfield group that they have. You know, one of their biggest moves uh, this offseason involved getting some getting some experience to those group of outfielders. And that includes, um, you know, like I mentioned, their biggest move, acquiring catcher Gabriel Moreno and outfielder Teoscar Hernandez from Toronto for catcher slash outfielder Dalton Volsher, uh, Dalton Varsho. So some, uh, um, you get some youth behind the plate um, and you get some, you get a big bat um, within that outfield to, to complement um, some of those guys, corporate, and Carol uh, and Alec Thomas, and so it's a it'll help out that young um, D team. And you think about that in field led by Gatel Marte. Yeah, I agree. I think you know the D coming up here this season have bigger expectations than they've had in the past because last season they all uh, finished in a position that no one expected. I mean, when they end up. Winning 74 games, I think that was an accomplishment. Just falling one game short of 75, obviously, um, I think is big for that club, especially uh, as you think about where they've been a lot of these past few seasons. Um, it seems like they are on the come up, and these young talents are going to help take them uh, to the next level, Brevin, like you mentioned. And it all starts with that outfield. 
that's where their young core is building and developing. And I think in no time, they're going to end up making a difference on the diamond. So the D-backs are the first team that we went over. Um, once again, finishing fourth in the NLS last season, 74 and 88 record. Now we're going to talk about the Rockies and Brevin, this team finishing 68 and 94 last season. Um, they had some good moments, but mostly bad moments. Uh, I think, you know, what it really comes down to here is their key player and that's Chris Bryant, but Brevin specifically, what about him? What do you think? is key for him. Yeah, I think it's just staying on the field. I think because of the injuries that he went through um, last year, it kind of didn't help, you know, where he was at. And so that'd be the key for him, um, you know, being, um, you know, he only got 160 at-bats last year, five home runs, 14 RBIs. I think he played, what was it, just 42 games for them. So, I think that number's got to increase a lot um, in order to get the max that Chris Bryant gives to any team, whether it's the Cubs, whether it's the Rockies, no matter who it is. And, um, you know, you think about the pieces around um, Chris Bryant that'll help keep this roster afloat here in 2023. You think about Ryan McMahon trying to take that next step. You think about Daniel Bard at the back end of that um at the back end of the bullpen, you've got, um, you know, you still got CJ Crone who can hit 30 home runs in any given year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you think about trying to get the last outs of Charlie Blackman as he gets older, um, within that outfield group with, you know, having Randall Gritchick and, uh, Jonas Daza, um, within that outfield crew with Chris Bryant. Yeah, this is a, team with some veteran leaders, uh, some younger players as well. I think most notably Brevin, one being their infield player who kind of comes and goes in rotation. Alan Trejo, uh, former mm-hmm. SU Aztec. Yep. Um, he's starting to take a bigger role on in that team. And so it's good to see that too as well. But um, that mix of veterans and younger players, I think is going to help them here um, as they compete against this a really tough NLS group. So we're going to get into the next team here, which is the LA Dodgers and Brevin. They made some moves here in the off season, but I think the expectation remains the same and that's to win this division and even further and continue to go on and, and winning in the playoffs. Yeah. What's weird about this Dodgers team compared to years past, you know, it's not like they, you know, we think about some of the big off seasons that they've had in previous years, you know, going to get uh, Mookie Betts, for example. You know, I think the, you know, one of the biggest moves was re-signing Clayton Kershaw, you know, on top of, you know, not having um, Walker Buehler, as you talked about, you know, and, you know, you sign guys like a uh, Shelby Miller, you think about Noah Syndergaard to bolster, just to add to that rotation behind, um, you know, Kershaw, Julio Arias as well. And, you know, the health of Dustin May, I think is, uh, I think is the key within that rotation, um, yeah. to solidify the, that middle part of that rotation. Yeah. It's definitely going to be a big year for the Dodgers. We know the expectations that they continue to have, um, year in and year out. And I don't think that changes. So the Dodgers always a team to 
look out for, especially mm-hmm. with how they've been able to accumulate over the years. Yeah. And the team that defeated them last season, as I mentioned before here in the show, the San Diego Padres. Let's kind of let's get down into it, Revan. Um, Xander Bogart's a big part of the offseason. Um, we know that the Padres have the capability of going far and now uh, the return of Fernando Tatis is pretty much imminent. And let's see if the Padres can do everything that they've done off the field and get that translated to results on the field. Yeah, I think you mentioned it. You know, Fernando Tatis is going to be that X factor for this team. We know that before the injuries, before the suspension, um, you know, how much that energy that he brings to this ball club. And as much as, you know, you think about the other stars around him, you know, Juan Soto, you know, you mentioned Xander Bogarts, Manny Machado, they all feed off of Fernando's energy. So that's going to be the key once he comes back, I think on April 20th as of right now. So, um, you know, it's going to be fun to watch this Padres team this year. Um, as we think about this division, you know, I think it's going to be a two team race between the Dodgers and the Padres. You know, this was a Dodgers team that, won the NLS by 22 games over the Padres. So it'd be interesting how, um, if the Padres can close that gap, um, with the pieces that they have, you know, Juan Soto moving to left field that we'll talk about more in a, in a little bit, you know, they're starting pitching the, the trio at the top with you Darvish and Joe Musgrove and Blake Snell. You know, you've got, you know, mentioned Manny Machado and Zane Bogarts on that left side of the infield. Hassan Kim, you know, is going to be most likely penciled in as the everyday second baseman. Yeah, for sure. I think no doubt about that. Um, Like you said before, Dodgers and Padres, with it being a two-team race, I pretty much agree with that as well. Um, But let's get down into talking about the last team here in the division that we have not yet got to, and that is the San Francisco Giants here. Uh, Obviously, a big part of their offseason, Carlos Correa and... I mean, I think that was for sure the biggest storyline by far, but they were still able to follow <laughs> up with, you know, some outfield signings. Obviously, uh, Mitch Hanniger ending up there, Michael Conforto as well. Um, Conforto listed at DH right now on the depth chart and Hanniger in right field, but Yastrzemski still remaining, uh, the center fielder for now, Jock Peterson in the left. And I think that group has to be really strong for this Giants team if they want to compete as well as their pitching rotation. Yeah. So I think the key for the giants, you know, it's Joey Bart behind the plate and how well he's able to go, how, how well he's able to take the, the next, how, how many productive sets this year is not necessarily being the best or trying not to be the next Buster Posey um, right. behind the plate in a Giants uniform, but just being, a better version of himself. You know, we think about some of these, you know, we think about another new player in a Giants uniform and JD Davis um, is going to be huge. And within that lineup, um, you know, with Brandon Crawford up the, with those two up the middle, you got Wilmer Flores at first base, you know, you mentioned Michael Conforto and Mitch Hanniger with, um, you know, with Mikey Shremsky and Lamont Wade Jr. And Jock Peterson um, filling out the rest of the outfield and, um, the DH position. All right. So Brevin, with that in mind and the teams that we've all just addressed here, who is your pick for the NL West division winner? Now, this is a lot closer than last year. 
Everyone's going to say that. Now I'm just stalling. Um, <laughs> I think the division winner, I think it comes down to starting pitching. And so I think the edge goes to the Padres. Um, right. And you think about the other question marks the Dodgers have, not just with their starting pitching, but, you know, who's going to play shortstop after Trey Turner goes back to the East Coast to the Phillies? You know, who's going to play center field, you know, with not having Cody Bellinger in the mix anymore? Um, you know, who's going to be playing left field as well? Those corner, the center field and left field um, to join Mookie Betts in the outfield. So I'm going to lean towards the Padres here. Um, within this 2023 division winner, um, be the Padres' first National League West crown, dating all the way back to 2006. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on that, Brevin. I think the Padres ultimately do take it. I think the roster is more balanced now than the Dodgers, in my opinion. I think we're going to see those results um, on the diamond week in and week out here from this Padres team, just because expectations are high. And um, at the same time, they're still somewhat young and unproven. So in in order to take that next step here, I I think really it comes down to winning the division and then winning the national league. Now, I think that's the next step they have to take. And um, if it's not this year, I I know that they're going to get it soon, but um I think winning the division here would give them a lot of momentum and uh, it would just take them to that next expectation where it should be um, an annual thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So those are our division winner picks. Both Kyle and I have the San Diego Padres to win this division. Uh, One thing I will say to you about this division, do not be surprised if the Arizona Diamond Diamondbacks finish at 500 or above 500. I will make that prediction right now. Yeah. Um, I don't know about this Diamondbacks team. I mean, it's mm-hmm. really just depends on how each individual player does, I think, more especially at the plate. Um, yeah. Because they seem to have a lot of athleticism in that outfield, but um, it just comes down to how many – runs can they score, you know? I, I think that's yep. something that we need to continue to see from the D-backs in order to um, know if they're going to compete or not. So, um, yeah, it's it's going to be a good division to follow all year long. Next week we are going to give our NL Central winner position uh, pick. And I don't know, that's that's going to be a tough one, Brevin, as well, the NL Central uh, picking yeah. the winner for that. Um, mm-hmm. Likely we got another week to figure that out Yeah, yeah, that's for sure <laughs> um, I think baseball this season Is going to be closer than Maybe we've ever seen before So it's going to be a mm-hmm. real year And we're going to give our picks for that We're going to break down each team in that division too So stay tuned for that In episode 89 of Down the Line But in the meantime We're going to move on here To the Padres And obviously um, we just picked them to win the NLS, Brevin, but um, in order to get there, they need to have a lot of depth, and it seems like they're continuing to make sure that they are in a position to have that. And Tuesday, it was reported by Ken Rosenthal from The Athletic, and it was made official earlier today that the Padres have signed starting pitcher Michael Waka 
to a one-year deal for 2023. He's a player option for 24, 25, and 26. There are also two club options within the deal for 2024 and 25. So um, the Padres still looking around in free agency, and they make a pretty decent move here. Yeah, this is a pretty unique deal with all the options that are in place. Um, total of five options between as a player yeah. and as um, the club option, but this is a deal that could be could go could go a long ways depending on the amount of incentives that go into play here. Um, according to Kevin AC, this contract, this unique contract, um, guarantees Waka twenty six million over four years, so twenty three, twenty four, twenty five, and twenty twenty six. Yep. And then could reach as much as forty one and a half million, um, including incentives. So Michael Waka now joining the Padres, and uh that's gonna bolster their depth there at uh starting pitcher. Mm-hmm. But um another position that um was addressed earlier this week was left field and Bob Melvin spoke to the media. He said that Juan Soto will be claiming that spot and that's the only spot he's going to play, which is left field. Yeah, I think this is, you know, just kind of makes sense. Um, you know, with the return of Fernando Tatis Jr., we've been seeing Tatis be playing right field during, and you know, some of the reps that he's getting. So um, with one side of moving over to left, the configuration of left field is a little bit easier than it is in right field with the, Petco porch. And so with the athleticism that, um, Tatis has, you know, it kind of, uh, will alleviate Juan Soto from playing right field. It'll help him out. Um, you know, and so we'll be seeing, um, number 22, uh, playing left field this year. Yeah, most definitely. It's going to be exciting to see Fernando Tatis out right field, but I think at the same time, you know, if the Padres are in a position where, you know, Juan Soto needs to move to another spot, they will do that. I mean, they can even bring in guys off the bench. Um, so many guys are mm-hmm. versatile within uh, yeah. the team where they can play so many different positions and they have the athleticism to do so. They each have, you know, different abilities, but um, they can adapt to so many different spots on the diamond and, that shows week in and week out. So it's going to be fun to watch this Padres team, I think, at the plate, especially playing defense too. So um, mm-hmm. that'll be one to follow as well, uh, watching Juan Soto play left this season and Fernando playing in right. But um, let's go up the five freeway here and talk some angels. Shohei Otani uh, was a big topic Today in Orange County, um, there was a press conference and Otani was involved his first of the spring. Um, Jeff Fletcher said he returned mostly bland answers that revealed little about his plans. Um, I don't think this is a good sign if you're an Angels fan, but he said, and I quote, right now I'm an angel and that's all I'm going to focus on. And that's who he said through his interpreter, Ipe. Um, he was asked if he is committed to exploring free agency at the end of the season. Otani said, quote, 
This is the last year of my contract, and if I don't sign an extension, naturally, that means I'm going to be a free agent. So there's Shohei Otani explaining free agency to us um, and not revealing anything, and I don't think that's a good sign for Angels fans. Yeah, I don't think that's a good sign for Angels fans, but I do think it's a good thing for Shohei Otani. You know, he's not worried about... The money right now, he's not, he's just worried about playing baseball and you've got the world baseball classic coming up where he's playing for team Japan. So, um, you know, there's a lot going on for, um, Shohei Otani. I think it's kind of the same way, you know, Padre fans and the Padres are worried about Manny Machado if he's going to opt out of his contract at the end of the year. I mean, imagine a, uh, next winter having both Otani and Manny Machado on the free agent market. You know, it's so that's what both teams are, you know, looking to solve right now. Um, and so I think, you know, we think the type of player that Manny Machado is, you know, worried about going and playing baseball and Shea Otani is the same way, um, you know, whether it's on the mound or it's at the plate. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's going to be a really intense year for this Angels team. I think they need to win in order to have a chance at keeping him. And so, you know, he's going to make the best decision for himself based on what happens. But um, winning is the first step, and I think it's um, working out a deal if they're able to do so, um, preferably before the trade deadline. So we'll see, we'll see if they're going to be able to accomplish that here in 2023, I think anything can happen here with Shohei Otani. And um, as we've seen in any sort of free agency before, the unexpected always seems to happen. So um, I think that's what we have to look forward to this time too. Yeah, and this also comes as the Angels announced Shohei Otani as its opening day started here. Yeah. We're six weeks away from opening day. Very true. Um you know, it's definitely deserved. I think he was the favorite to earn that spot and now is already announced. So I think, you know, that just speaks to um, his career so far, how he's been able to work to the spot and why he is the most coveted player in baseball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Let's see. I think that was it from the Angels. They did sign a player today, I think it was. Um can't remember who it is. Well, they signed uh, Matt Moore, um, a left-handed reliever deal, one-year deal. Yeah, Matt Moore was signed. I think it's a good deal here. I mean, for him being able to come to the Angels at his this point in his career, I believe he's thirty-three years old. Um, I, I think it's I think it's still a good thing. You know, he's going to add to this pitching staff. He has um, experience, uh, you know, playing at high levels before in his career. Um, I'm pretty sure he's going to be coming out of the bullpen. So mm-hmm. um, that is going to uh, be fun to watch. I think last season he played particularly well um, on the mound. I'm trying to look up his stats right now as we speak. Obviously, mm-hmm. He had uh, a long time in Tampa Bay um, beginning his career there. I think he played for about six seasons, seven seasons there. Um, he went to the Rangers in 2018 after a stint with the Giants. Last season with the Rangers, we saw, I think, his uh, one of his best seasons. I mean, 63 games pitched. That's the most we've ever seen 
in his career. He had a 1.95 ERA, um, 83 strikeouts. Um, he did walk 38 batters and he gave up 49 hits, but I mean, what an outstanding season for Matt Moore. And he's, uh, definitely going to be a pivotal part of this, um, pitching staff being in this bullpen, especially, you know, coming out of there as a lefty. That's always important. This Angels team has a lot of lefties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd just be interested to see how well he does take those next steps. I heard that there are, that Matt Moore is making adjustments that will carry over, um, into this year. All right. We're going to conclude with some trivia. I am on the block and I will go ahead and let Kyle take it away. You know, I was initially going to have this uh, trivia be about the Padres' uh, all-time home run leaders, Brevin. Yeah. Um, but I, I think I'm going to switch it up here okay. um, and, and change it up. And I'm going to go with uh, NBA All-Star theme trivia here today. Yeah. Uh, right. So we're going to get down into it. And so what I want you to give me here. Uh, Brevin is NBA All-Star Game MVP winners all time. Um, who has won the most All-Star Game MVPs? Oh I guess gosh. we could go top five of all time, I guess. And two, okay. have the same, two have the same amount. What's the highest number that I'm looking for, Kyle? It's four. And uh, oh, Okay. If you need a hint, I could give you one, but I don't, I don't think I'm going to do it yet. Uh, I want to name some names first before I ask right. for a hint. Let's see. Exactly. Exactly. There's some names I know that aren't on the board. Let's see. Some names I know I can eliminate. Okay. How about uh, this? So it's it's actually two players have won it four times each and four players uh-huh. have won it three times each. So you're just going to name those okay. players. All right. Uh, let's see. Players I know I can eliminate. Uh, Steph Curry, Anthony Davis, um, for sure those two. Yep. Um, one of my guesses, I mean, he's, he's played in one of the most amount of all-star games. How about LeBron James? LeBron James is on this list. He has won it three times. He won in 2006, yeah. 2008, and 2018. So he has won this award three times. So he okay. is um, one of six. Mm-hmm. Um, I know he won it once. I don't know if he won it more times than that. He was a co-champion during one of these years. How about Kobe Bryant? Yes, Kobe Bryant has won the most All-Star Game MVPs in the history mm-hmm. of the league, along with another player. Um, he's won it four times. Um, so Kobe Bryant is the uh. MVP, top MVP award winner for the All-Star Game, and I believe the award is named after him. Mm-hmm. So um, that's the reason why there. And uh, he's at the top of the list, so you have two out of six now. All right. I doubt he's there, but how about Kobe's co-champ or co-MVP that one here, Shaquille O'Neal? It's a really good guess, and that is right. You're on fire. That is... Oh, he is on there. Okay. Yeah, he has won it three times back in 2000, 2004, and 2009. Wow, he won it in 2009? That's yeah. what you think about. Yeah, that was the year he... Kobe and Shaq won it together. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I forgot it was in 2009. That was 
seemed like it was longer before that, but yeah. Um, Shaquille O'Neal is one of four players who have won All-Star Game MVP three times. So there you go. You got all three so far. All right. These next ones are going to be a little hairy. Um, Let's see. Trying to think of anybody. How about... How about Larry Bird? That is a good guess, but he is not on this list. Oh. I don't know how many All-Star Game MVPs he has, but I'm going to do a quick Google search. Oh, all right. I'm going to think of the next one. This is um, the top list. It is. He won, uh, let me see. He was a 12-time All-Star, so, I mean, great guess there. I mean, you would have thought he would have won it once. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. All-Star Game MVPs? Yeah, he won it once in his career back in 1982. Okay, once. Okay. Um, how about Michael Jordan? Again, really great guess, and that is right. <laughs> he also won three. So um, won three. you are now looking at looking for two more names here. Um, Jordan mm-hmm. won it in 88, 96, and 98. And so you're looking for two more names here, one who won it. Four times and one person who won it three times. All right. Next up. I feel like this is a Showtime Laker. So, um, you know, you got to put on a show for the All-Star game. So how about Magic Johnson? That is a good guess, but he's not on this list. Oh, he's not on there. Yeah. I don't know how many All-Star game MVPs he has. I'm looking it up real quickly here, but... um, Two times. He won it twice back in 1992. So, um, you're looking for two more names. These are hard. I will say these are really tough to get, especially one of them. Revan, I don't think you're going to get, but I wasn't sure if you're NBA knowledge. So, um, these are, I will say these are old time players. Okay. Um, I will ask for one hit. Um, I don't know if it'll give it away. You can, validate that Kyle but what um are the decades that these players played in uh I don't think it gives it away it's uh okay. the 1950s and 60s okay both of these players uh one played one won all-star game MVPs in both the 50s and 60s and Oscar okay. Robert, and then uh the 60s all right um Let's see. How about 50s and 60s? Yeah. Um, oh, this is before the NBA AB merger. Okay. Um, Super long time ago. I know. <laughs> um, how about Bill Russell? That's a good guess. That's a really good guess, but he's not on this list. Not on this list. Okay. Um, I'm also going to look up how many okay, uh, All-Star Game MVPs he won because surely he won at least two. An 11-time NBA champion. Yeah. Um, he won it once in 1963. Yeah. 12-time okay. awesome. Huh. Uh-huh. Um, let's see. 
How about... Oh, I don't think he played in the 50s and 60s. No, I'm not going to go that way. How about... um? Let's see. How about George Mikan? George Mikan. That's a good guess, actually, but he is not on this list. Oh, he's not on this list. Yeah. From the uh, Minneapolis yeah. Lakers. Yeah. That is a really good one. Um, um, yeah, this this is really tough. Well, I think especially one of these right. names. I mean, one name, in my opinion, is guessable, but... Another big name um, that I could think of in the 50s and 60s. Right. Um, no, not Dr. J. Um, how about Oscar Robertson? That is a great guess, and that is correct. Oscar Robinson. Oh, good. Uh, 1961, 64, and 69. So there you go. He won it three times. Okay. Looking for one more name here. I don't know if you're going to get it. One more name. Is he on TV these days? As Uh, a broadcaster? No. Oh, okay. Well, there he goes. (laughs) Okay. Early time TV is. Okay. Like on a national... Like ESPN or TNT? I don't. I no. I I, I doubt okay. it. Maybe like maybe one, every once in a while from like a special appearance or something, but I I doubt it. Okay. So. Um. Because wow. Because my guess was going to be Kevin McHale. Yeah, I honestly have no idea. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um. Let's see. Fifties and sixties. Oh. I know he's not. Mm, no, he's not there. Um, oh, oh, here we go. All right, this is gonna be my last guess, Kyle. So, right. okay. Um, how about Bob Cousy? Oh, I thought I thought you had it. Um, that is, no, that is incorrect. Um, oh. I, I I seriously thought you had it because the answer is Bob Pettit. Oh, it's Bob Pettit. Okay. Bob Pettit. Uh, one-time NBA champion. He won MVP twice. He won uh, the Rookie of the Year award in 1955. He was an 11-time All-Star. Um, his numbers retired by the Hawks, by the LSU Tigers. He averaged 26 points a game, 16 rebounds a game even three assists a game. So um, he was one of the best players in Hawks history. And yep, that was the last name you were looking for, Brevin. But other than that, you did a really good job. You got what, five of them and five and a half. No, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> um, Bob Cousy made, uh, won two all-star game MVPs. Okay. There you go. Yeah, no, uh, I, I definitely would have got, Maybe three of these names. That being LeBron, Jordan, and Kobe, and that probably would have yeah. been. <laughs> so, good guess. Yeah, Bob Cousy, All Star Game MVP in '54 and a '57. There you go. See, I was thinking Celtics. I wasn't thinking Hawks. Yeah. <laughs> so I said Kevin McHale. Yeah. <laughs> 
Bob Cousy. But yeah, so switched it up from uh, Padres uh, all-time home run leaders to that. Might as well stick with the same theme mm-hmm. as we uh, approach All-Star Weekend. It's going to be a good one. Um, we're going to be back next week as well. Uh, looking forward to that episode. Obviously, we have now embarked on the uh, NFL offseason officially to this point, so we're likely going to have some more news next week. As I mentioned before, Broncos looking for a defensive coordinator, so we're going to see if Sean Payne's going to act quick, quickly here or see if he's going to take his time. Um, other moves going to be made, I'm sure, too. Um, we're going to get down to our NL Central prediction as well, as we mentioned before. Um, mm-hmm. More MLB news, I'm sure, as everything continues here, and um, looking forward to doing so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's going to do it for us here on uh, Down the Line this week. For Kyle Betts, I'm Brevin Hundo. We thank you for tuning in to this week's episode, and we hope you tune in uh, next week.